Kaufman. Welcome to Hudson Institute. I'm Todd Lindbergh. I'm a senior fellow here. I work on national security policy and related matters. Welcome to our discussion today on requirements for successful military cloud, best practices, innovation, and security. Uh, we have two very uh, distinguished panelists joining us today. Uh, Bill Schneider is a senior fellow here at the Hudson Institute and is uh, president of the of International Planning Services, Inc. He is also chairman uh, of the Defense Science Board. And Seth Cropsey, senior fellow here, is uh, director of our Center for American Sea Power. Uh, Seth's background also includes a stint as deputy undersecretary of the Navy uh, in the Reagan and Bush administrations and then on in the uh, OSD, the Office of the Secretary of Defense in those administrations as well. Uh, I'm uh, happy to welcome you all here. And what we're going to do, I think, uh, obviously, as many of you know, uh, this is a subject that had a major news event uh, associated with it uh, last week. And so what I th thought what we'd do is just begin by having uh, Bill Schneider give us a little praise of that, and then we'll get on into the broader questions of acquisition at DOD, and in particular, uh, the issues that are surrounded by uh, surrounding the, the, the military cloud aspect and uh, the current state of that debate. So Bill, uh, what's going on out there? Well, it ha indeed has been a, an exciting time in, uh, for new, uh, innovations in the Department of Defense. And uh, about two months ago, the uh, uh, department, at the urging of uh, Deputy Secretary Shanahan, uh, initiated a draft request for proposal for the uh, 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 DOD procurement of uh, cloud-based uh, uh, informa information technology services. Uh, after uh, receiving uh, industry comments and, and congressional comments, it stood down for about two months as it uh, reviewed the entire subject. And then uh, uh, late last week, it published a final uh, version of the request for proposal. The uh, uh, offerers uh, in uh, what is described as a free and open competition have until mid-September to fit, uh, submit proposals for a, a firm fixed price uh, to d deliver uh, cloud services. Uh, it can be for a period of uh, a minimum of two years and, and with uh, uh, extensions and, and renewals up to a, a period of 10 years uh, for uh, an estimated cost of approximately 10 billion dollars for the cloud services over the, that would be rendered to the Department of Defense over that 10-year uh, period. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's quite a change in that uh, the DOD has been discussing this uh, for a, a decade, but has been relatively slow to move. And so uh, it has been greeted with a great deal of interest. Great. Thank you, Bill. And now, Seth, let me uh, turn to you. Uh, you've had an insider view uh, uh, on questions related to the defense procurement process. And in addition, you've uh, supplemented it with uh, uh, years uh, subsequently to your service in government and researching in this area. Uh, I, I, I fear that um, if legislation uh, is uh, like making sausage, defense procurement is like, well, I'm not sure exactly what that would be like. Sausage, sausages without casing. Sausages, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, how about telling us a little about this process? Uh, thanks, Todd. Um, I think a good way to start thinking about uh, Defense Department procurement is to understand um, just 
get a glimpse of the size and the scope of defense agencies that come under the Secretary of Defense's control that have been established over uh, three, four, even five decades. I'm not going to read the whole list to you. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. But I'd like that this information is very important because procurement is, uh, well, let's say it's essential uh, to the defense of the country. Um, and there are, uh, it is one of several important issues that are governed by, uh, controlled by different agencies. So we have the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, which only has 220 employees. We have the Defense Commissary Agency, which employs 18,000 people. Uh, the Defense Contract Management Agency, which has almost 12,000 civilian and military employees. Uh, the Defense Finance and Accounting Service, I'm sorry to say, I can't tell you how many thousand work there. Uh, the Defense, Defense Health Agency, also large. Uh, Defense Information Systems Agency with 8,000 civilian and military employees. The Defense Contract Audit Agency, which employs 5,000 people. The Defense Intelligence Agency, which employs almost 17,000 people. Uh, the Defense Logistics Agency, which, for example, handles all non-military uh, items like pencils and toilet paper and things that don't have military requirements, which employs 27,000 people. So I'm going to stop there because I wanted to give you just a kind of a sense. But the list is a lot longer. It's two pages. Um, leaping ahead somewhat, uh, it's likely that uh, when cloud computing arrives, each of these would have to be integrated into any cloud system. Uh, and that is not free. Um, so uh, this list um, fully, uh, the total of people here is somewhat smaller than the Marine Corps. Um, that's a lot of people, 150,000 here, 186,000 or so in the Marine Corps. Um, these have multiplied as the DOD bureaucracy has expanded. Uh, there was a time way back in the midst of history when the military services were primarily responsible for a platform for building, designing, constructing platforms and weapon systems. Uh, in the 19, early 1960s, uh, Secretary McNamara migrated partial responsibility for uh, design, construction, procurement into the Secretary of Defense's office. Uh, the Goldwater-Nichols Act of 1986, not quite as old as McNamara's administration at defense, gave geographic commanders, what were then called the SINCs, uh, more say in Pentagon decision making. So that added more cooks to the uh, stew, uh, to making the stew. Uh, the Joint Staff 
uh, has their own requirements element. Uh, the military services maintain some control over procurement decisions. Um, and uh, as amazing as it may be, uh, things don't always work out the way they were intended. Uh, just a very, very brief example. In the Reagan administration, uh, and with the help of one of the shipyards uh, in the South, uh, Congress decided to uh, tell the Navy to spend $100 million and appropriated the money to build a replacement for a Vietnam-era small boat. Uh, and the procurement system, even in the 1980s, was um, complex, uh, and accountability was uh, iffy. And what ended up was a 331-ton uh, vessel um, that was subsequently not used uh, for the intended purpose, and more money had to be appropriated to produce the replacement for the smaller boat that had been used by special warfare uh, and which had become uh, obsolete. So this is an example of um, the fact that Congress is also one of the players in this procurement, uh, this multi-layered, complex, uh, and largely unaccountable procurement system. Uh, I'll give you another example of uh, the complexity, but more the non-accountability of this system. Some of you may remember that uh, when Admiral Greener, the Chief of Naval Operations several years ago, was uh, testifying before Congress, uh, Senator McCain asked him uh, to explain the reason for the $2 billion cost overruns of the uh, so-called Pathfinder uh, Ford-class aircraft carrier. And uh, the admiral, who's an uh, honest man, said uh, it's difficult to say so. Um, and it's telling the truth. Uh, couldn't really provide the answer. Um, decisions about new technologies shift around. They shifted around then. They still shift around between the Navy, uh, between congressional impositions, between the Office of the Secretary of Defense and the Joint Staff. Uh, the Ford, for example, the aircraft carrier, does have an electromagnetic catapult and recovery system. It's a new technology. But accountability in its design and construction is not there. So identifying who is actually responsible uh, in the procurement of weapons and platforms is spread out. It's like uh, trying to look at the, uh, the Soviets' gas plan and figure out who decided how many tractors should have been built um, in 1975. Uh, attempts to 
Control procurement costs in the past have included requirements, and this is a sensible one, that any change orders larger than $100,000 would have to be signed, this is in the Navy, by the Secretary of the Navy and the CNO. Um, CNO is... Uh, the Chief of Naval Operations. I'll be doing that a lot. It's uh, inevitable in the course of discussions of these things. So that's a, you know, a small attempt at trying to uh, control the costs, um, which invariably um, arise as a new ship, for example, is being built. It takes a long time to build a ship, even a relatively small one, and technology advances as that happens. Um, and the, the, the people who are making the ship figure out different ways of doing things, uh, and they come back and they say, well, this is going to cost more. And so what was attempted uh, 20 years ago or so was uh, to require requests for change orders uh, to be signed at a certain level, above a certain level, by the secretary and by the chief of naval operations, which was some attempt to put accountability into the system. Um, the process for procuring... Uh, cloud computing is, is ironically an example itself. Um, the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, uh, called JEDI, is the projected 10-year, you'll hear more about this, and I think you know about it, $10 billion effort to switch DOD from its current usage to cloud computing. So responsibility for the program began with a cloud executive steering group established by the Deputy Secretary of Defense. And from there, responsibility shifted over to the Defense uh, Digital Service uh, with the unfortunate acronym of DDS, which uh, reminds you of your dentist. And now it rests with the, with the Defense Department's Chief Information Officer. So, summing up here briefly, Cloud computing has the extraordinary potential to simplify the accumulation and retrieval of data in the Defense Department, uh, sensibly implemented, and you'll hear some more about that in a moment. It can save money and time, and it can improve efficiency. It will be most effective if accountability can be returned to the procurement process. Thank you. Thanks, Seth. Bill, over to you. Okay, well, uh, thank you. And uh, one of the uh, important bits of recognition that needs to be afforded to the, the decision to uh, release the request for proposal is the importance of, uh, of uh, DOD actually making a decision to uh, begin to uh, move uh, DOD operations uh, to be supported by uh, cloud-based information technology architecture. Uh, this has uh, had taken on sort of a, uh, a NATO uh, characteristic, as I call it, no action, talk only, uh, for for, uh, uh, for nearly a decade. I, I during my uh, uh, service in uh, the Defense Science Board as its chairman, we we had quite a few discussions about this because, as you may re recall, uh, the DoD was um, uh, moving towards a network-centric. 
concept of operations that had been uh, building up since the 1980s as, as a way in which DOD would, would uh, uh, operate. But I, I, I really congratulate the DOD leadership and especially uh, Deputy Secretary Shanahan for actually um, uh, biting the, the bullet. We'll have some uh, uh, additional commentary about aspects of this decision. But uh, the decision to move forward is very important. And it's important for, uh, for among a number of reasons, quite apart from uh, efficiency and, uh, and cost, uh, which uh, remain to be uh, remain to be seen, but the nature of uh, uh, modern uh, military operations will no longer permit the uh, use of modern military systems without uh, cloud-based uh, sources of uh, data, not only for uh, storage and retrieval, but uh, at least and perhaps more important for processing. A lot of these data come from many different sources, from space-based platforms, from airborne platforms, naval vessels, uh, both surface and submarines, as, as well as uh, uh, terrestrial uh, systems. These need to be integrated, and the data needs to be uh, processed, and insights extracted from them and distributed to, to the uh, combatants to be used. But similarly, data needs to be uh, uh, collected, stored, and processed to run the logistics system and many other operations of, of the Department of Defense. And the idea of uh, uh, moving the uh, data to a cloud-based architecture is, is necessary for military operations to take place. The uh, F-22 and the F-35 aircraft are two of the uh, uh, poster children for the uh, uh, importance of moving to a cloud-based architecture, but they are by no means the uh, uh, the only ones. Uh, uh, as we get into the uh, discussion, there are, uh, I think, three um, uh, major points that might might be addressed, and I'm sure more will uh, come out in the discussion. Uh, but uh, the uh, the first uh, deals with the the issue of best practices. If, if you uh, go through the uh, uh, the request for proposal package, there's uh, 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 one of the points that comes out is that the DoD wants to, uh, as to the greatest degree possible, uh, build on uh, the commercial um, uh, market for uh, cloud-based services. The, the this uh, market has grown remarkably in uh, the the uh, past decade. And as a commercial product, it is, uh, it is quite mature. In fact, uh, more than half of the enterprise-wide uh, users of cloud services ha have at least five uh, different cloud service providers for uh, different applications. One of the characteristics of the uh, DOD uh, solicitation, however, is that they are uh, seeking a single uh, cloud service provider. Uh, and this uh, differs uh, uh, somewhat from the uh, the commercial model that has been able to take advantage of uh, an industry that's very vibrant, that is uh, capturing uh, new technology that's developing very rapidly and being able to offer it in, in a service mix that uh, is well beyond merely uh, storing uh, uh, permitting retrieval and processing of, of the data, and uh, is the market has has evolved in, in that manner. 
Another motive uh, for moving to the cloud deals with the, uh, the issue of security. Uh, when uh, uh, Director Clapper, of the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, as Director of National Intelligence, made an early decision in, uh, uh, in 2013 to move the, all of the operations of the 17 agencies of the intelligence community uh, to a cloud-based architecture. It was driven by uh, two concerns. First was uh, the security problems that had emerged with uh, a decentralized uh, information technology sector were uh, pr producing significant losses in, uh, in uh, data. The f failure to patch a computer or uh, a mistake in, in uh, using a thumb drive to take data off a, uh, a specific machine were, were uh, producing problems that would, uh, could be stopped simply by moving to a, uh, a, a cloud-based architecture that, that, uh, that uh, eliminated the decentralized uh, property of it. But it was also a question of cost. Uh, and uh, Director Clapper believed that uh, the uh, intelligence community could save about 50% of its costs in, in uh, IT services if it moved to a cloud-based architecture. Uh, the, these uh, uh, circumstances uh, were, I would say, generally uh, well received by the intelligence community in terms of its application, even if uh, the uh, optimism about cost savings uh, uh, didn't emerge as, as, as planned. But uh, nevertheless, the, initially, the, uh, uh, the movement to the cloud uh, became uh, looks uh, successful, but as time went on, uh, the uh, intelligence community uh, found that it needed more than one cl uh, cloud provider. And uh, most recently, the uh, intelligence community has uh, led a contract to uh, uh, Dell and, and uh, Microsoft to to provide uh, another cloud for its application. So the uh, I, I think the DoD. Usage of cloud-based services, even though smaller agencies have have uh, uh, initiated uh, some cloud-based uh, procurements, a DoD-wide cloud is is uh, is an immature uh, uh, aspiration and probably will evolve over a period of time. The second issue relates uh, more generally to some of the contemporary concerns about security, and and those issues have uh, the uh, the property that uh, the uh, clouds uh, poses uh, still important problems for security for the the DoD. The the first is the issue of the insider threat. The insider threat now is a, is a is already a formidable problem as we've seen by. Uh, uh, spies such as uh, Snowden, who uh, took 1.7 million documents in a, in a very short period of time from the intelligence community and is now um, a resident in, uh, in Russia after uh, spending uh, several days in, in the PRC en route uh, to Russia with his uh, hall of uh, uh, purloined documents, albeit in electronic form. Uh, so uh, the insider threat is an important uh, a security issue, but another security issue that uh, will uh, be uh, present on a scale with uh, uh, cloud-based uh, architectures that is uh, 
is not uh, so apparent in a decentralized architecture is the physical security of the uh, uh, installations. The, the request for proposal calls for a, a minimum of three uh, such uh, uh, structures. Their location could be on a military base or at uh, some uh, uh, suitably uh, concealed uh, location. But uh, nevertheless, a, a relatively small uh, infrastructure like that uh, is uh, vulnerable to, uh, to physical attack. And uh, uh, physical attack is quite likely, given the uh, very inviting target, such a high degree of centralization of core operational data is, but also the fact that these uh, uh, small number of sites, whether it's three or, or 30, is still a small number of, of sites compared to the, uh, uh, the, the decentralized model, will uh, still uh, produce a, a, an inviting problem uh, uh, for the, an adversary and a, a vexing problem for us. Uh, the uh, th third aspect of it uh, deals with supply chain security. Uh, the, uh, uh, the infrastructure, and, uh, both hardware and software, uh, need to be continually refreshed to uh, respond to, to uh, both user needs uh, and mission requirements as well as uh, the evolution of technology. And uh, the problem of uh, preventing uh, uh, supply chain contamination is, is a very difficult one. And indeed, uh, in, in some units in the uh, Department of Defense, they recognize that it's not possible to protect the supply chain, or at least it's not possible to have confidence that the supply chain has not been contaminated. And so other measures need, uh, need to be taken. But with the, the cloud where uh, the, the uh, uh, infrastructure that will be holding uh, uh, and uh, permitting retrieval and processing all of the data of the uh, Department of Defense, the um, significance of the supply chain uh, contamination uh, reaches uh, uh, a new level of concern, which uh, uh, I, I think will have to be addressed as the uh, uh, process evolves. And, and uh, there may be uh, some mitigation of these risks uh, possible if uh, the DOD approach evolves from the uh, initial uh, cloud monoculture to a multi-cloud environment, uh, uh, as is used by the uh, uh, the, most of the commercial users, or at least at the enterprise level. And uh, uh, final, finally is the, uh, uh, the issue of uh, innovation. Uh, the, uh, the underlying technologies that, that uh, shape the ability to uh, provide greater functionality with cloud services are uh, changing much more rapidly than the uh, DOD processes uh, uh, can uh, can permit. So I think the the reliance on on uh, uh, the commercial sector to provide cloud services is probably a, a good one from the uh, question of capturing those changes. But uh, the uh, acquisition process needs to uh, also have the capacity to uh, uh, to render it attractive for the uh, the commercial sector to continue to offer uh, innovative services. Uh, in some of the industry comments on the uh, 
uh, uh, draft request for proposal, it was observed that it, it's unlikely that the uh, cloud services vendors could, could make any money until the somewhere between the sixth and tenth year of the uh, the proposed uh, contract. Well, if, with the, those kind of rigidities in the contracting process, uh, would probably not offer much of an incentive uh, to the cloud service provider to uh, uh, provide uh, additional uh, services and functionality in the absence of uh, uh, some better way of, of uh, the government procuring such services. So uh, the, uh, there's a risk uh, uh, that has to be managed about uh, uh, trying to uh, allow DOD to take advantage of the uh, um, vibrancy of the uh, this market segment and in, in providing more functionality to uh, to cloud services because as uh, as is implied by the uh, uh, the fact that DoD wide we're uh, going to uh, go to a, a cloud based IT model we don't fight as an Army Navy or Air Force we fight jointly and uh, all of the ability of the uh, military departments to operate uh, jointly in, in the fight uh, needs to be uh, enabled. And the, the uh, cloud-based IT model perhaps uh, presents the most appealing way to enable this. Uh, and uh, so I, I think uh, in the longer term, we can be uh, uh, optimistic that uh, the, the DOD's initial steps, even though the, the, it's likely to, to evolve in the way uh, the uh, commercial model has evolved from uh, initially a single provider as the uh, enterprise became comfortable with uh, the notion of cloud-based applications and then uh, later to a, uh, a multi-cloud environment where it, it uh, attempted to optimize the, the mix of cloud service providers to meet the uh, the requirements of a company, or in the case of uh, the Department of Defense, I think eventually uh, uh, to, to meet the mission requirements of the Department of Defense. So I'll, I'll uh, stop there. That's and, great. Thanks, Bill. There is no um, commercial market for a Ford class aircraft carrier, whereas uh, in the case of the cloud, we have a very vibrant uh, commercial market that exists for the provision of these services, at least in. Uh, a private sector sense. In other words, without uh, sufficient uh, attention being paid to issues related to classified information, et cetera. But I wanted to ask you, what is what difference should it make or does it make that, uh, that this is a thriving uh, commercial enterprise at the moment uh, as opposed to sitting down and trying to design a new aircraft carrier? You mean that uh, what difference does it make that we're talking about using cloud computing for the military as opposed to uh, commercial purposes? Well, no, I, I, I meant the internal process. I mean, you know, when you're, I think when you're sitting down and designing a, a, an aircraft carrier, uh, you're not actually um, working with stuff that's already out there. Uh, you've got existing programs, existing procurement, et cetera, underlying it, but the process itself has uh, uh, is different from what you might be doing in terms of acquiring um, services from the, 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 the commercial sector that enterprises are already working on. 
Well, the the military uh, works with uh, uh, contractors, subcontractors, tertiary contractors um, on all sorts of things that don't have directly military applications all the time. Computers is one example of that. Um, and uh, as far as the military procurement system goes, it has a lot of experience, not only with its own, um, its own, for example, in the Navy shipbuilders, Navy shipbuilding, but um, with companies that have been doing this for, you know, some of them for over a century. Um, so uh, there is a difference. I think Bill's points about uh, security here are uh, vital um, because uh, what we're talking about is putting the brain of the U.S. military into somebody else, you know, outside of the outside of the military, and that means everything from uh, you know um, the design of weapons and if if compromised, the ability to uh, compromise those weapon systems um, to, for example, our nuclear planning. Um, and that presents a challenge that is different from the mere building of an aircraft carrier. The Department of Defense has had a, a troubled relationship with uh, information technology. If you look at the origins of the seminal inventions that uh, emerged from World War II, it was the military applications of atomic energy and uh, computing. And uh, both of these at, their, at the outset, of course, were dominated by the government. And uh, the realities of uh, uh, the uh, um, almost universal applications of of computing compared to the military applications of of uh, atomic energy um, meant that the computing uh, business was going to be driven into the commercial sector. And as we've uh, found since the 1970s, that the DoD has become a minor user of computing, not uh, a uh, uh, a driving uh, user of it, and this is even more so today. So the, the fact is that DOD increasingly is, has been uh, obliged to adapt uh, commercial uh, technologies to, uh, to its needs, and, and uh, in, uh, to an increasing degree, the, the technologies that are shaping the commercial applications of IT are uh, moving along much more rapidly than uh, the, the, the DOD capacity to, uh, to absorb them. And one of the benefits of moving to a, a cloud-based system, especially if it's uh, built on in a, a multi-cloud environment and a, and a uh, competitive uh, acquisition process, is that the DOD will be able to capture these uh, uh, advances in technology that produce uh, greater functionality and, and uh, um, support for the, the DOD's mission. But they, uh, the process of getting there is, is difficult, as uh, Seth was uh, 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 commenting. The, the DOD processes are, uh, are uh, made for an industrial age and uh, uh, they are not made for uh, an age where uh, the information is the dominant uh, uh, mode in which the uh, uh, Defense Department operates. 
Uh, Bill, this is a, uh, it's called a Pathfinder uh, right. contract. W what does that mean or, and what should it mean? Yeah, well, it's, uh, uh, I think the, the Pathfinder uh, concept uh, does probably not have uh, um, uh, definitional rigor in the federal acquisition uh, 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 regulations, but it, it is in, uh, clearly intended to um, um, uh, provide the, the image of a, uh, uh, a little more than an experiment, but uh, uh, certainly a lot, uh, way less than uh, an enduring uh, commitment. The, the DOD is a, as an immature user of uh, cloud services, especially on an enterprise level, needs to advance from uh, the idea of an experimentation with a single purchaser, as is, was the case with uh, most of the uh, early commercial adopters of uh, cloud services, into one that, uh, that will have multiple uh, providers providing a wide range of uh, functionality that can be optimized to all of the different mission needs of the, uh, uh, the Department of Defense. So I think the Pathfinder concept uh, at least reflects the fact that DOD does not want to be permanently com committed to one approach to, uh, to cloud services and only to find that uh, uh, by locking themselves into to a single approach, they will uh, uh, in fact uh, deny themselves access. Uh, for, for those of you who uh, uh, have had a long um, term of service in this market, especially with defense, you may remember back in the uh, late 70s when the DOD adopted the uh, ADA language as a, a, what it thought would be a, a universal language that could be applied to uh, 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 writing code for uh, defense products and even uh, modern weapon system like the uh, uh, B-2 bomber had uh, its uh, uh, code in uh, using the ADA language. Well, it, it, it turned out that was not a good idea and uh, th that had to uh, be uh, <clears throat> sent over the side, as they would say in the Navy, uh, uh, pretty quickly. And DOD has uh, made a, a lot of these uh, uh, bad bets in its effort to adapt information technology uh, for its its own uh, purposes, and hence I think the the Pathfinder concept, if it uh, meets the, uh, the the sort of common uh, understanding of the term, is probably a, a good way to proceed. In that they will uh, uh, have an opportunity to uh, uh, assess uh, DoD needs and its adaptation to the use of cloud services and, and then move to uh, other uh, acquisition models uh, or perhaps other uh, models of how cloud services are going to be used by the Department of Defense in order to uh, um, make a, uh, a later decision on, on uh, how DoD d uh, data will be uh, managed, stored, uh, and processed. Great. Uh, we've got ample uh, amount of time for questions, and uh, I'd like to... Uh, uh, turn to those now, but as the microphones are coming forward, uh, let me just ask one other question uh, for both of you. The Marine Corps has uh, more or less specified as kind of the proving ground uh, in this pathfinding uh, period. What significance do you attach to that? Uh, I, well, it has um, uh, 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 
a good bit of uh, logic behind it in that the Marine Corps uh, uh, operates a Air Force-like thing. Uh, it also operates ground forces and it operates at sea. So on, uh, on a smaller scale, the uh, Marine Corps uh, has all of the problems and issues that the three military departments have without uh, um, uh, having to have uh, subunit experiments in each of the services, which I think uh, um, reduces the enterprise value of the experiment. Well, it underlines uh, the importance that the people who are doing the decisions here attach to uh, getting the system right. Um, it also, uh, at the same time, draws attention to how important getting it right is because uh, if the Marine Corps uh, has a problem with logistics, um, the country has a big problem. Um, that's a large part of what, I mean, what is necessary so that the Marines can do what they're supposed to do. If they can't get the logistical train right, it, it's bad. Okay. Um, please uh, introduce yourself, and um, I'll make the usual remarks about brevity, and if people go on too long, we'll take active measures. Uh, thank you very much. John Weiler, IT Acquisition Advisory Council. Uh, great comments and thoughts, gentlemen. A uh, couple observations. The, the path, first Pathfinder was supposed to be U.S. Transcom, and they did succeed in getting that awarded sole source through a DIUX, and then attempted to go full-scale in operation very quickly to sole source to Amazon, which got blocked in courts, uh, which, you know, wonders, you know, makes me question why do we need another Pathfinder. The second question is why so focused on commercial cloud uh, that's public versus commercial clouds that can be private and more secure. The DOD doesn't seem to want to embrace what the commercial market does is something they have control over for their most precious data. Uh, I, the, uh, those are, of course, very uh, uh, pertinent questions. Uh, and I, I, I think it, it does reflect the, the fact that this enterprise um, uh, or effort to move towards an enterprise-wide uh, experiment with the cloud is uh, is what's on the mind of the uh, the leadership. What kind of problems are are going to uh, uh, going to emerge? And uh, I, I think the the problems will become uh, evident. Uh, the the uh, DoD uh, security concerns are uh, uh, necessarily obscure. And uh, even though they they uh, have some unclassified security guidelines, it uh, uh, it conceals more than it reveals about uh, exactly how DoD is going to 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 come about it. But uh, I, I think the security concerns I mentioned uh, are really generic uh, security concerns that affect uh, whether it's a decentralized or centralized uh, uh, kind of system. And DoD is going to have to. Um, uh, provide confidence that the the move to the cloud will be uh, associated with better security than uh, th they've been able to engineer with the uh, existing decentralized uh, cloud system. Bill, you made a rather piquant observation a little bit earlier, which was that uh, 
you know, maybe we can't really make the assumption that there's going to be security. What, is, what does that mean, uh, and what are the implications of that? Yeah. Well, it's, it, it is a, a pertinent question. Uh, uh, I'm working on a, a project for the uh, Defense Science Board on, on dealing with the insider threat and uh, trying to manage the the insider threat is, uh, is such a uh, difficult problem that uh, uh, we've just sort of casually speculated, you know, is it possible to conduct a war where you can't keep secrets? And uh, that's, that may be an extreme uh, concern, but nevertheless, it does reflect uh, the fact that, that uh, security is a, is a very difficult problem. And the, certainly the uh, most security specialists have now gotten uh, uh, away from the notion that you can somehow put a fence around your uh, IT system and, and uh, uh, protect it. Uh, that, uh, that's not uh, going to work. Uh, there's some experiments with uh, systems engineering uh, your uh, IT system, knowing that the bad guy is, is in there. And uh, uh, if he's in there, how can you stop him from exploiting his access? There, the, these, uh, the, uh, I think these are in the, still in the domain of uh, uh, research. Uh, the advances in um, uh, cryptologic technology, especially through co quantum computing, offer some uh, basis for optimism that the, the uh, computation uh, uh, problem can uh, can fix at least a good part of it by being able to encrypt the data, but there are ne necessary uh, um, nodes between when data is encrypted and when it's not encrypted that still uh, offer vulnerabilities. So uh, this is a, definitely a work in progress. Hey, David Winks uh, with AccuSight. Uh, when we think of the cloud, we're really thinking about uh, those three data center instances. And even if we put them in secure military bases, uh, most of those military bases rely on commercial water and power for those data centers to operate. And the typical military base only has about 14 days supply of fuel. Uh, is there any thought in the um, re uh, request for quote that would include hardening of the infrastructure itself? The, uh, the, the question of infrastructure protection, not only uh, cyber protection, but also uh, uh, physical uh, protection, has been on the minds of the, the government for more than 20 years. There was a, a, a well-thought-out uh, commission on infrastructure security in the late 90s that, that uh, reviewed the problem. The, uh, the, the, uh, uh, initially, infrastructure industries were not uh, particularly uh, mindful of these problems because they had many other uh, difficulties. But uh, more recently, they have be become more, um, more mindful of the, uh, the problem. And uh, uh, the electric utility industry, for example, has uh, done quite a few interesting things to, to improve the, the, uh, uh, the level of protection. But uh, I think it's, it's also... Um, uh, correct to say that this is a very uh, dynamic problem. The uh, Financial Times had a very interesting story about uh, a month ago about China's efforts to buy up the electric grid all over uh, uh, the Eurasian continent. And uh, uh, they observed last week that uh, a uh, secret uh, Chinese buyer 
uh, had um, through a, a, a British company had uh, had bought control of the uh, UK civil nuclear power industry. So uh, uh, there's there's many dimensions to the to the problem of the security of the infrastructure that that needs needs to be engaged and it probably needs as DOD is trying to do now to be engaged as a system rather than dealing with the eaches because the, the system has the problem, not just the individual uh, elements of the infrastructure. Sorry, I'm your neck. Uh, uh, sir? Hi, uh, Chris Cornelli, Bloomberg Government. Uh, the Pentagon has uh, 500 cloud programs already underway. Right. The Army has its own cloud. Navy has its own cloud. Air Force has its own cloud. Um, at the same time, uh, the government is competing Jedi. It's also competing a partner cloud program called DEOS. It's completely separate. In light of that, wouldn't you say that the federal government or the Defense Department is well on its way to the multi-cloud approach that you're recommending? Uh, it, it's, it's an interesting question, and, and uh, how they'll manage it uh, is uh, uh, to be determined. In the uh, DOD's response to, uh, to the Congress, they discussed uh, the issue of the fact that there were uh, uh, many other uh, clouds. I think the figure referred to was about uh, about 500 experiments, which may make it easier uh, to to integrate uh, the uh, clouds. As I mentioned, the uh, we, uh, we fight jointly, uh, not uh, not separately. And uh, the the fact that that the Navy would have a cloud does. Uh, doesn't assure that the Navy and the Air Force, for example, would be able to to work together in a in a theater of operations. And so, I, I think DoD is trying to find some way uh, to to harmonize this. And, and the fact that uh, that there are uh, uh, there is a fair amount of experience with clouds on, on a smaller scale, I, I think, may make it easier to have an uh, an integrated multi-cloud environment. Uh, over time, as DoD gets past this uh, pathfinder uh, phase and and looks at uh, how they can manage uh, these the combination of importing uh, uh, civil sector best practices, improving security to meet the needs that uh, DoD has, while capturing the innovation that's uh, extant in this industry. Thanks for your presentation. My name is Li Yang. Uh, I'm looking at the title as Best Practices, Innovation, and Security. The problem now is uh, we have to kind of look at the, the whole system, whether you are going to improve the productivity and the outcome. So I just want to currently there's a dispute about the cloud, who is going to be the winners, whether it's Amazon or it's, uh, some other maybe vendors, uh, IBM or AT&T or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder if there are some possibility, there's some major project would use a cloud, but some other small analysis, maybe you don't need a big one centralized cloud unless until you reach the point. And then the, the importance to reach the, the point, good, um, good result is uh, inside the personnel and their productivity. Currently, government agencies just don't have the productivity, and a lot of people are really negative productivity. And they are not even capable of doing anything except maybe accumulate a lot of personnel to retaliate against good people. So I just wonder if you can 
address these issues. How are they going to reform the government, especially DOD? They are still purchasing a, a high price, low quality of, of merchandise. And so if you think about hacking, it's not really just uh, Snowden, but also insider, they are still there. They are still there doing against the general public and general uh, employee. So I just wonder if you okay. can address the, those employee staff and to improve their productivity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The, uh, the governance model is probably likely to evolve uh, uh, with, with the way in which uh, the DOD adopts the cloud services model. Uh, and so I, I suspect there will be, uh, will be improvements. And one, one of the uh, uh, properties of this greater centralization, I think, will have, uh, uh, it will uh, provide DOD with much better visibility into the uh, productivity and, and effectiveness of the components of DOD because they will have uh, all of the data at its, uh, 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 with the insights uh, uh, in a, on a continuous basis because we're not only dealing with uh, um, uh, combat operations but the, the acquisition system, the logistics system, the R&D system, all will be captured in uh, this uh, cloud environment which, uh, which by providing the DOD management with insights into what's going on, I think the DOD will uh, have an opportunity to become much more efficient, and uh, I believe many of the industrial age acquisition practices that now plague the uh, uh, productivity of the defense sector will be mitigated. Seth, do you think there's some hope for mitigating the uh, problems of the defense, uh, the, the industrial no. age acquisition process? <laughs> The centralization issue here is uh, divided because um, of the reasons that Bill has pointed out, um, a, at least security requires some kind of diversification of the cloud concept. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not what they're going for at, at currently. Uh, they're going for putting everything in one, one cloud. Um, so I, it, it sort of it sort of cuts two ways. I mean, the, the the centralization issue is part of where and how we've gotten to where we are today, where things are increasingly centralized in the office of the Secretary of Defense, uh, which and managing 150,000 employees turns out to be a difficult difficult thing to do. Um, so, uh, I think that the idea of cloud computing and of centralizing information um, is sensible, but uh, the questions about security, um, efficiency, and uh, related ones that Bill raised are very much at the front. Sir. My name is George Folsom with International Political Event Risk Analytics. To Bill's presentation on the supply chain, uh, is that threat a function of parts and components sourced from China, or could you elaborate on your uh, statement? Uh, well, there's been quite a bit uh, written about uh, uh, supply chain uh, contamination and uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the aspiration 
that has been reflected, for example, in, in changes in the acquisition regulations that require the prime contractor to cascade down to their subcontractor certain cybersecurity requirements is a dimension of uh, an aspiration to deliver uncontaminated uh, products uh, to or uncompromised products uh, to the uh, end user. Uh, that may be uh, utopian in the sense that the opportunities for uh, de delivering uh, uh, uncompromised uh, products face so many uh, hurdles that uh, some uh, second best solution may have to be found such as uh, uh, systems engineering products to uh, be able to cope with uh, the inevitability of adversary penetration of, of these, uh, these systems. But I think DOD is cognizant of the uh, uh, the problem and uh, uh, will treat this as a, as an issue. But uh, my point in raising it in connection with the cloud is uh, that uh, the um, supply chain management has, is, has been easier when they're they're managing this supply chain for an aircraft carrier than it is for a um, uh, a cloud data center that that will have uh, uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of computers uh, uh, operating in a, in a virtualized environment where the possibility of, uh, of uh, cyber intrusion is, is uh, 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 an important risk. In the back. Thanks, Jared uh, Payne with Aptio. I had a quick question, a little bit of a follow-on in regards to the outcomes uh, question that was earlier. Uh, in the context of when you look at uh, you look at this award down the road, um, where we see in terms of how do we measure and communicate success? Um, so in terms of kind of the road that you went down of talking about centralized data repository to be able to get analytics across the scope, do you see that in regards to um, where the RFP is today in regards to providing that data? Uh, there's not much, uh, at least that I'd read into it and see whether or not you felt yeah. that was a part of it. Yeah, well, uh, being able to extract insights from a government RFP is, is a, <laughs> a, a, a difficult uh, art, and it's, uh, uh, I'm not sure I have a, a, a good grip on it. But uh, uh, I think the, the Pathfinder concept offers some uh, opportunity to find uh, the points of friction in the implementation of the cloud. Uh, uh, for example, it's uh, f from the uh, media reporting, I uh, noted and uh, observed that the intelligence community encountered difficulty uh, by certain agencies having problems. For example, the uh, uh, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency deals with a lot of imagery, or the National Reconnaissance Office, and imagery is notoriously more difficult to, uh, to extract data, uh, process, and uh, and disseminate compared to uh, uh, ordinary uh, digital da uh, data that doesn't have these kind of uh, complications. And so th th there turned out to be some uh, points of friction. And I think that's the experience that has existed in the uh, civil sector applications where a, a, a cloud user, for example, would find that it was much easier to get a specific cloud service provider that would deal with uh, document authentication and just let that uh, cloud service provider handle the functionality associated with that because they were experienced and, and, uh, and able to adapt. And I, I think eventually, as we're starting to see with the 
uh, intelligence community where they're bringing in a, a, a new team for a, a different cloud services from Dell and, uh, and Microsoft that uh, we may see this same, same kind of evolution in, uh, in uh, defense. I think, the, the, um, as was noted earlier, the, the, the fact that many elements of the DOD have seen the value of the cloud and they've gone out and, and used their appropriated funds to acquire cloud services. I think now looking at DOD from an enterprise perspective that they will encounter uh, the, the fact that uh, a, a single uh, cloud service provider is unlikely to be able to to provide the optimized uh, portfolio of functionality that the DOD user will require. Hi, uh, Amber Corrin, Federal Times. I kind of I want to build on something that you just mentioned and that you've mentioned a few times. You talked to, you talk about this as a pathfinder, and I feel like you know, Grant, I haven't read every single thing about this, but it seems like that's emerged more recently. Like this hasn't always been described as a pathfinder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, do you see that to be the case? Why might be that might why might that be the case that they would kind of rebrand this into a pathfinder project? Mm -hmm. And besides that change, are you observing any other changes that have taken place given that they handed over leadership of this to somebody else completely? about a month or two ago? Mm -hmm. no, it's, a, it's a, a good question. Um, there, there's a, uh, a, a challenge to your uh, um, glasses prescription to uh, read the 33 pages of uh, uh, the industry and government dialogue in, in responding to the draft RFP. And uh, it's clear there was a lot of bobbing and weaving on the part of the government. They they recognized that the the industry had some good points, and uh, in a number of cases, at least as reflected in that document, the changes were made in the uh, in the uh, uh, final uh, RFP. Uh, but uh, the uh, uh, th this same document also suggests that a lot of things are still being left to the. Uh, um, ingenuity, let's say, of, of the uh, of the provider, uh, and uh, perhaps it it reflects as has uh, been sort of an assumption of mine that that the DoD as an enterprise is not a uh, yet a mature and sophisticated uh, buyer of cloud services, and so they they want to see what the uh, innovation in the industry will tee up and uh, and see how it will uh, will work. Uh, I think the Initial reaction to the uh, to the draft RFP about the prospect of a 10-year um, uh, uh, sole source uh, contract uh, seemed to uh, it, it did get a very negative reaction uh, from industry. The idea of a lock-in of a single uh, provider was. Uh, um, deterring to uh, uh, to industry, and so the idea of the the pathfinder, where the the way that the, the uh, firm fixed price contract is constructed, uh, so that the DOD can uh, uh, get out of the the uh, relationship after a, a two year period, even though if it was very successful, could go as long as ten years. 
it does uh, suggest that the, the DOD is is looking for some running room to experiment and and to uh, uh, arrive at a, a different conclusion and and not go down exactly the same path that the intelligence community did, which is uh, now seems that they're they've recomputed, so to speak, and have uh, decided that they uh, want to move towards a multi-cloud environment. Could you just say a word or two about uh, the role Congress has played in this? Uh, you know, part of the uh, angst uh, about the uh, draft RFP did come from the, the Congress. The uh, Congress does have a default setting against uh, uh, sole source contracts, even though the, uh, uh, the, uh, the nature of the environment has at least in part been created by the Congress that has stimulated the need for sole source contracts. But uh, <laughs> leaving that, uh, that one aside, they, they still uh, um, uh, emphasize obeisance to this idea of... Uh, of open competition, and uh, um, the the Congress uh, did uh, ultimately decide on a 15% withhold on on authority to uh, spend appropriated funds. Uh, having, what does that mean? Uh, yes, well, it's a it's a it's a good question because it has a literal meaning as as far as what happens to the the funding. But having uh, done the a stretch uh, for one year experience 10 times in the Congress, I can say that a 15% withhold is a speed bump. It's not a, a deterrent. And uh, as, as a result, I think the executive uh, concluded that uh, they could uh, uh, describe the, their uh, plans, which they did in the response to the Congress. And I, th I thought it was it was well written, and given what the Congress did, it was it was a constructive response. And uh, so, uh, I, I think uh, the Congress, while they they were part of the the chorus about the angst on uh, uh, sole source providers, they uh, ultimately did not uh, drive the outcome. Yes. Kara Carlson with Reuters. Um, what are the other key differences between the draft RSP? RFP you identified and the final one, and then to follow up on that, as other government clouds, I mean, other government agencies look to cloud, do you think this contract is going to have an influence? Uh, well, uh, I, I'm not sh uh, sure I, I have a, a line count there because there was a, a lot of uh, minutiae about renumbering the CLINs and things of that, that sort. But uh, uh, I, I think the uh, contract uh, line item number. Um, the, uh, uh, nevertheless, the, uh, th there, there were some, some important changes that, that, the, uh, uh, the, that were made in, in the uh, uh, final RFP. I think the, uh, uh, the, the notion that, uh, of, uh, of experimentation uh, th that is reflected in the, uh, the Pathfinder concept is an important one. It was emphasized both in the uh, dialogue with industry, or at least can be derived therefrom, as well as uh, in the communication to the Congress that uh, the DOD is clearly ex experimenting with this. They they want, uh, at least for the initial volley, to leave the uh, qu question of innovation to the uh, cloud service offerers. Uh, and uh, things, for example, like security, uh, would they make uh, uh, having a cloud 
already qualified at a, a specific level of security, a threshold for entrance. But it uh, uh, turns out that the way the DOD manages it is that they would uh, facilitate uh, uh, qualification at higher levels, even if a cloud service provider currently did not have, uh, say, access to uh, top secret sensitive compartmented information levels of, uh, of access. It, it begs the, the larger question of will DOD uh, find a way to, uh, to climb the uh, uh, Everest of uh, uh, bureaucracy in, in trying to uh, uh, get security clearances for the uh, people that have to work on this in an environment where it takes about two years to get an SCI clearance. Round two. Uh, I, I wondered, having studied this procurement <laughs> in depth and having been an advocate 10 years ago of pushing DOD into commercial cloud, which I sometimes regret today, um, we, we see a couple of false narratives. One is in the report to Congress, it said uh, a single cloud is, a multi-cloud is too hard and, it's, and the best practice is commercial single cloud. And we cannot find any data to support those statements. Also in their report to Congress said standards, because standards are required under the previous MDA called Modular Open Systems Architecture. You must em embrace standards and open systems. And in the discussion around standards, there's no standards discussed. There are standards around cloud. And as we've seen in other monopolies that emerge in the market, and I won't name them all, um, they are going to fight standards because if you're the first market player and the biggest market player, you don't want open systems because it creates competition. So we don't have really any reference to standards in this. And then we have justification for a single cloud based on false information. Does that not create protestable situations when false information is being used to support a strategy? Well, on that, uh, the particular point about uh, um, uh, commercial practice, I think it was a, a bit of a dialogue of the deaf, because in the, uh, uh, in the dialogue between industry and government on, on the questions, uh, one of the industry uh, uh, questioners raised the, uh, the issue based on uh, commercial surveys of, of cloud use and uh, DOD uh, expressed in this document that they didn't want to comment on third party um, uh, surveys. On the other hand, uh, they uh, uh, emphasized the uh, aspiration to be aligned with, uh, with commercial practice. So I, I, I have uh, uh, perhaps naively uh, uh, fused these uh, various uh, data points of the the pathfinder, the dependence on on uh, commercial service, and uh, the um, uh, willingness not to, to tell the commercial services or commercial offers exactly how to do it, which is the default setting of uh, the DOD, that there, there may be a basis for optimism that the path DOD is taking will actually allow the uh, commercial practices to, uh, to dominate in the way in which commercial users actually set standards may in, in fact be a, a, the greater need. The, the, the tougher problem that DOD uh, will face is how do they adapt to commercial standards? How do they manage uh, the security environment where they they are uh, uh, they're comfortable with uh, a system that is uh, uh, sclerotic and does not uh, really depend on 
the, the kind of data use that would really make the, the system uh, work effectively. So I, I, I think the, the environment is good, and I, I hope the industry will, uh, uh, will retain a, an interest in this and, and help shape the governance model and the contracting model and, and the uh, uh, functionality that can be built into the, the, the system so that the government can really benefit from this effort. Hi, David Winks, uh, AccuSite. Just to follow up on your earlier comment on uh, uh, secure supply chain, um, in last year's NDAA, there was legislation. I'm sorry, the NDAA? National Defense Authorization Act. Thank you. Uh, suggesting uh, that, that requirement, and then the DOD put out a publication, DODI 5200.44, which talks about secure supply chain down to the chip and component level. Is that a requirement, uh, or is there any reference to that in this RFQ? Yeah, well, that's uh, it's an interesting uh, question. Uh, they they had a similar question raised about third-party software uh, and how do you do the validation and verification and validation that the third-party software is not uh, uh, not contaminated in in some way, and and they they uh, again left that one open as to to how it would be done. There are commercial V and V processes out there because commercial users have have similar concerns about the contamination of uh, uh, of software and uh, the uh, DoD has actually developed a, a better system I think than the commercial users have for getting insights into um, uh, counterfeit products and, and that sort of thing so I think there's some uh, opportunities for uh, convergence if the uh, equities of uh, the commercial users have in intellectual property protections, so forth, can be integrated into the way the DOD is doing it. But it's going to be a, a, a you know terra incognita for uh, both sides in terms of uh, trying to uh, get uh, something to constructively evolve. Well, we're just about out of time. Seth, did you have something on that? Yeah, I wanted to ask Bill a question. Oh, um, it is permitted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Around the edge of this discussion today has been the question of uh, the Defense Department's ability to adapt um, and to keep pace with the rapid change in technology uh, as it applies particularly to um, information systems. Uh, if we were to fill up this room with the uh, federal acquisition regulation books and the defense acquisition regulation books, there would be no space left for any of us, right? Uh, um, given that and what you know, what we know about the Defense Department's um, speed in moving things that are important, are you confident that um, the questions can be resolved satisfactorily about um, speed as far as weapon systems and platforms in the future. I mean, I think most people here are aware, sort of aware that the idea of modularity and being able to add things in the future is being built into systems, but is that enough? And are, are, what's, it's, what's a, it's a very... Uh... Uh, pertinent question, and even though I'm I'm here uh, at least in part as a, 
former uh, chairman of the Defense Science Board and a current member, uh, can, would like to introduce a bit of sociology into this uh, uh, discussion. Namely, it's, I've, I think it's fair to say that it's very hard to get big, successful organizations to change. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the adaptation uh, that, that the Defense Department is, uh, is going to have to go through with the cloud is, is uh, small beer compared to what they're about to go, go through with the, the uh, almost complete inversion of the, uh, the, the DOD's, uh, instead of their dependence on defense technology to produce defense products, they will be dependent on civil technology to produce defense products. And that will require a, a change in mindset that will be more difficult, I think, than the adaptation to the cloud, because the <clears throat> cloud is largely a uh, civil sector uh, invention rather than a, a defense sector invention. So I, um, I, I, I think that uh, one of the things, if you, if you have an opportunity to uh, uh, interact with uh, uh, younger uh, enlisted personnel, uh, they um, are completely at ease with uh, uh, cyber. The, f the fact that, the, that they are digital natives is really a, 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 a major change that's hard to, to account for in, uh, in, in sort of objective terms, but just uh, anecdotally that I think the, uh, the, the DOD, because we have such a young officer corps uh, uh, generally, I think the, the change will probably come uh, a little more easily than we've uh, come to expect uh, because the, it's, at the end of the day, it's going to be the uh, people wearing uniforms that are really going to drive these changes and, and uh, not the um, uh, entrenched uh, civil service with their uh, uh, 5,000 series uh, um, tomes. Seth, you're uh, riding up in the elevator with the uh, Secretary of Defense, and you have exactly that long to give him one piece of advice. What's your piece of advice? Uh, change the model for the organization of the Defense Department of the United States from the Soviet one to one that looks more like the American one. Bill, same to you. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that uh, because the, the DOD is, has taken this step that uh, uh, with respect to uh, moving to the acquisition of cloud services, it, the, the subsequent steps are, are uh, much shorter and uh, probably less risky than uh, the risk they, they've uh, encountered by not moving to the cloud sooner. And so I, I suggest that that uh, they should uh, move as as rapidly as they can to uh, absorption of the uh, the commercial model for the development of cloud services and look to ways of adapting DoD needs so that they can fit in uh, to the greatest degree possible with the commercial model. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Thank you all. Thank you.